Hello, everyone. Pastor Steve Hogg here. Really excited you've joined us at First Baptist Church for this worship service. Continuing our teaching series on the seasons of marriage, talking about the fall season, the empty nest. I pray God uses it in your life. Today, we're going to focus on the fall season and the empty nest. You finished raising your children. Now you're moving into this new time in life as a married uh, couple. And the truth is the movement from one season to the other is a transition. It's not just, you know, poof, you flip a switch and you're there. It happens. There's, there's a transition, right? And, 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 and the adjustment to those new seasons, there's a transition to that as well. Now, I'm going to allow you to determine whether or not you're in the empty nest season or the golden year season, the fall or winter. I'm not touching that. I'm going to let you figure that out, okay? I want to say a couple of things. Because people are living longer today than any time in history, there are more people, more married couples in the empty nest and the golden year season than ever before, not only in America, but in the world. And the goal of younger couples, those who are in the spring and in the summer, is to, to make it to where you are and, and, and to be in love and, and be happy when they, when they get there. And you already know this, or if not, if you're new to this season, you're, you're discovering it. The fall season of marriage brings with it some very unique opportunities, some unique blessings, as well as some unique challenges and fears. So we're going to try to address some of that today. And, and I want all of us in here who are seated to be praying for those who are in this fall season that, that it goes well for them. Now, the, uh, the transition to the empty nest, uh, as I said, is a transition, and some people make the transition more easily than others. Some couples move into that season in life, they're, they, they love their kids and they miss them, but they're very, very happy, and they're, they're deeply in love, and they enjoy the fall season, and, and the transition happens pretty smoothly, fairly easily, quickly for them, and they find a new depth of love in each other. For others... That's not the case. Some couples make it to the fall season, the empty nest, and they're still married, but if you ask them, are you in love? Well, yeah, I, I care about them, but they, they, the, 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 distance, the distance between them as husband and wife was created. Some distance was created during the, the summer of raising kids. They didn't continue to foster intimacy with one another. They, they look across the, the kitchen table and there's no kids there and, and, and there's nothing to talk about because they've stopped talking during the summer season about anything except kids and work. And yet others don't even make it to the fall season. They divorce somewhere along the way before they ever get to the fall season of the empty nest. And let's just be honest, the transitions in life, as a family, as a couple, emotions come with those, right? I mean, when you have your first child, there's all kinds of positive emotions with that. When they keep you up all night, there are different emotions. When you, when, when you transition into the, the fall season, there's emotions. I remember our, our oldest, Stephen, is 30, and I remember when we took him to Columbia to start college at USC and I'll acknowledge when we got in the car to come back, driving up 77, I was a little misty-eyed. I, I, I was a little wet on the cheek. 
I've shared with you before, I still vividly remember back in 1984, March of that year, when Monisa and I moved to Sumter, South Carolina from Kentucky, looking in the rearview mirror and seeing my mother, who was in her 50s at the time, standing in the driveway, crying, not just, you know, a little tear, I mean weeping. And when Jacqueline and her family moved to Italy, um, I better understood how my mom felt of those years before. There's emotions associated with these transitions. But you see, when Monisa and I moved to Sumter, while my mom was crying for us, 10 minutes later we were all smiles and excited because we were on to a new adventure in life as a young couple. I'm sure when Monisa and I were driving up I-77 after dropping Monisa, uh, Jacqueline and her family off at the airport, and they were going to Italy, and we, we, thankfully we were going to Kentucky to visit family because we needed some hugs and love. I, I'm sure as we were crying up the interstate, Jacqueline and Evan were all excited because they were on to a new adventure. And if you want to understand how to make the most of and how to succeed and how to be happy in these new seasons of life, the fall season of life, you have to change your attitude and thinking. And rather than living in the past, understand that God's giving you the opportunity to move into a new season which has with it the opportunity for new adventures. New experiences that are different that you could not have experienced before. See, attitude is important in every season of life. I invite you to open your Bible with me, please, to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to look at two passages primarily this morning. The first is Ephesians 5. Now, in this chapter, before we get to our verses, Paul begins in verse 1 by telling us to imitate God. <laughs> really? <laughs> you want me to imitate God? Yeah, that's what he says. Learn to approach things more like God approaches them. To view things more the way God views them. And don't get your direction from, for life, primarily from what the culture says or what the world says or the expectations that our culture puts on all of us. I know that's there for all of us, and we, we can learn from a lot of different places, but, but you, don't, you don't imitate the culture when it comes to having a, a godly family and a godly marriage. You imitate God. You learn from Him more than you do culture. He tells us in the middle of that chapter to live like children of God and to learn to discover what pleases God, the things that please God. That means you, you need to learn how to please God as a husband, as a wife, as someone who is in your 60s or 70s or 80s, these different seasons of life. You've got to learn not what pleases everybody else and what the culture said, but what pleases God. And before, just immediately before the passage we're going to look at, he says, wake up. Wake up. Because some of you are sleepwalking through life. Doing everything out of habit and routine, not with intentionality. Wake up, he says. Now look at the verses I want us to focus on for a few moments in chapter 5, beginning at verse, verse 15. He says, therefore, because of everything that I just explained that comes previous in this chapter, be careful. Be 
careful how you walk, how you live, what you do. Pay attention. Wake up. Be intentional. Don't sleepwalk. He says, if you do that, then you're not going to live as unwise men. Because there are a lot of people who go through all the seasons of marriage and seasons of life sleepwalking and not smart. He says, don't be unwise. Instead, be wise. Be smart. Making the most of your time. Literally, it's to redeem, to buy up, to purchase, to do the best with your time. And it's not just time as a moment on the clock, but a season, an opportunity. That you, that you grab the seasons, that you grab the opportunity, that you grab those moments that come in life. You purchase them. You do something worthwhile with them. You don't sleepwalk through them. He says, be careful, pay attention. Why? Because the days are evil. Bad stuff happens. And it can happen at any moment in any season. Reason you need to make the most of every season, the, 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 the spring season of new love, when it comes to your marriage, yes, the summer season of raising your family, and yes, the fall season. You, you need to make the most because you don't know what's going to happen. This world is a pretty messed up place and bad stuff happens to us. Verse 17, so then because of that, don't be foolish. Instead of being foolish as you go through life, understand the will of God. What is God's will for you as a man? God's will for you as a woman, as a husband, as a wife, as a couple, as a disciple, as a follower of Christ. What is God's will? You need to understand that. Get your direction for marriage, not from the culture, but from the Word of God, from the wisdom of God. Who created marriage? Do you remember? <laughs> Who brought Eve to Adam. And you, you'd rather listen, some of us, we'd rather listen to everybody out there in this modern culture than we had to God about how to have a great marriage. If everybody who talks in the media knew how to have a great marriage, you wouldn't have most of the marriages in Hollywood and other places falling apart every five years. Who are you going to listen to? You get it from the culture, you're going to get your wisdom from God. Now, the world, the culture cannot be your primary guide. Let me give you two reasons, okay? Number one, do you understand that the fall season of the empty nest is a relatively new, modern phenomenon? What year was it in America that the majority of the population lived in urban areas versus rural areas. Do you know what year it was? It was 1920. And urban areas were defined as cities or towns of 2,500 or more. It was decades later that the majority of Americans lived in what we would think of as metropolitan areas. So throughout human history, the majority of people on planet Earth and in America lived in rural places, small, very small towns and farms, not in urban areas. 
Do you know what the average life expectancy was in 1920? Guys, you're going to love this. For white men, it was 54. We've come a long way, haven't we? For women of all races, it was 55. White women tended to live into their early 60s. Now, some of you will remember, it was, it, it was your experience, families back then, and, and, and folks, that's less than a century ago, had a lot of kids. My great, great, my, let's see, my great-grandfather had one wife. She gave him about 10 or 12 kids. Then she died. He took up with a young one, and she gave him another 10 or 12. That wasn't unusual back then, was it? <laughs> Ladies, would you, 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 now you want to talk about the good old days? <laughs> Now, you think about it. I mean, my grandfather had, I, I don't remember the exact number. I, had, I could go back and look, but it was something like there were 10, 11, 12 kids in his family in, in, in that, uh, f- that from, from the first wife, okay? And um, so you think about that. You, you get married as a young woman, and you have all, you're, going, you're having your last child in your mid-30s to your early 40s. How old are you going to be when the last one grows up and leaves home? The point when most of you die. See, back in those days, most people moved straight from the summer season of raising kids to the golden years of winter, and there wasn't much of a fall, if any at all. And so our culture is still trying to figure out, how do you do this family thing? And I don't think it's figuring it out very well. Another reason the culture can't help you is, you know, the, the culture doesn't, doesn't know how to live like God wants you to live anyway. Doesn't know how God wants you to be married and have a family and be in love. Culture doesn't get that. So why would you listen to them? So, know the will of God. Isn't that what he said back in Ephesians 5? Don't be foolish. Don't be unwise. Instead, be wise. And understand what the will of God is. Isn't that what the passage in Ephesians said? Understand, know the will of God. The will of God for the different seasons of life and the different seasons of marriage. <clears throat> I said, and 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 I said in the first sermon in this series, there's two priority relationships in life. Do you do you remember those? In Genesis, the first thing God did was create create us, create man and woman, and the priority relationship is our relationship with Jesus Christ. Before there was husband and wife, there was God and man. And the second relationship that, take, that, that is a priority relationship is with your spouse, your marriage, because there, before there was mom and dad, there was husband and wife. And that if during the summer season of raising kids, you take the relationship of your marriage and you put it down the line of priorities and you elevate the kids to above the marriage, you are hurting your marriage and getting the priorities out of sequence. Doesn't mean you don't love your kids and you're not there for them and you don't sacrifice for them, but you don't sacrifice your marriage to raise your kids because you're disobeying God when you do that. 
and it's the reason so many marriages never make it to the fall or if they do they've got to fall in love with each other all over again Now, everything I just said goes contrary to what our culture says because our culture says, and you watch the movies, that when you're raising your kids, the only thing that matters is the kids. And that's just simply not what God says. Understand the will of God. And so those relationships are always, are always a priority. Now, how, how do you do that in the fall season? How do, you, how do you make the most of your opportunity, of your time in the fall season? Well, I want you to think real quickly. I'm just going to give this to you in shotgun fashion, okay? Here are some opportunities in the fall season, okay? And then we'll, we'll, we'll look at another passage and talk about a few things, but Real quickly, you, do you know that during the fall season you can have a new kind of relationship with your kids? Those of you who are older and your kids are grown, you understand that, right? My relationship with Stephen and Jacqueline today at age 30 and 28 is not what it was when they were 10 and 8. And there's an adjustment on my part to understand that and move into that relationship in a healthy manner. Am I, am, I, am I right, guys, those of you who've experienced it? But that doesn't mean it can't be rewarding. It's different but if done right, can be very, very enriching. You can have conversations and experiences with them as adults you can't have when they're kids. New opportunities. And you either seize that or you long for and live in the past which you can never experience again. And in so doing, sacrifice the present. God says there's a new adventure. There's a new opportunity. Seize it. Opportunity for new family traditions. Now, some of us are more sentimental than others, and family traditions matter more to some of us than others. I get that. But some of us struggle to change traditions as the family dynamics change. And, and you want your kids, when they're 30, to do what they did when they were 10 in terms of your family traditions. And that's simply not how life works. And if you're not careful... You'll push them away. Or you'll push your daughter-in-law or son-in-law away. Because it's not just about you. But there's an opportunity to have some new experiences, some new traditions. Because you don't just throw things away. You create new ones. And they can be beautiful if you have the attitude of saying, God, you're moving me into a new adventure in this new season. By the way, one of the greatest opportunities is you have the opportunity to love on some new family members. Your daughter-in-law and son-in-law, yeah, but those grandbabies. Right? Don't tell the next crowd, but I'll tell you, uh, they're better than kids. Okay? <laughs> And I haven't gotten to experience it yet, but I know some of you are enjoying those great-grandkids, right? That's new opportunities. Embrace it. Spoil them rotten. 
No matter what the kids tell you, spoil them. You, you, during the fall season, do you understand you have a new opportunity to experience an even deeper, deeper, more beautiful, more romantic, more meaningful, loving relationship with your spouse than you've ever had? There, there, there is something. If, if you care for your marriage during the summer season the right way, I'm telling you there is something about the growth and depth of love and affection that happens over time that you can't rush. Now, if you ignored your marriage a little too much during the summer, you, you can still have a deeper love now, but you better get busy and work at it and stop making excuses and say, this is a new adventure. We have an opportunity to fall in love all over and love each other better this time than we ever did before. Besides, you don't have kids at home 24 hours a day. Take advantage of that. I'm just saying. Opportunity for new spiritual growth. You don't have to get up and take the kids to school. Get up and read your Bible and pray. What? Yeah. It's amazing how the excuses we used in the summer, we just find new ones to take their place in fall and winter. But you've got new opportunities to grow spiritually. New opportunities to serve God, serve His kingdom, serve through the church. I love when I see older couples with the empty nest or those who are in their 70s and 80s doing things to serve Jesus together. I, that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. We, we, had, we had older couples serving Jesus together during Servolution this weekend. That's cool. Opportunities to do some things together that you, that you couldn't do before. You know, when you had to divide and conquer, you take him and I'll take her. And you remember those days? Well, you don't, it's a different day now. You can do some things. Brad and uh, Kim Vickery in our church, they're, they're in the next service. They're in Sunday school this morning. They were, they were part of our church, moved away, and then came back. And I remember when they came back, Monisa and I took them to lunch one Saturday. And I still remember them saying to us, this time we want to really be involved and serve. They're doing a great job with our, one of our young adult classes. God's using them. It's, it's, it's growing. They're in the empty nest phase, by the way, okay? They're empty nesters. They're, they're in the fall season of life. and They're, they're working with those young couples and, 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 and meeting with them outside of Sunday school and teaching them about marriage and life and about Jesus. And, and uh, Kim, Kim follows me on Instagram. And I, I love her posts on Instagram because when there are these certain holidays and times, and she'll talk about this sweet man of hers on Instagram, her husband. See, the fall season of life can be a time not only to grow in your love for one another, but together, together, together to impact the kingdom of God and His church in a positive way if you'll seize that opportunity. The opportunity for new experiences. 
I mean, let's just be honest. You can, you can, most of us can do some things in the fall of life we can't do in the summer of life because of time and schedules and, and responsibilities and maybe even financial resources. Uh, th- this past week, individually, I talked to Roger and I talked to Kathy Troutman. Just got back from a two-week Mediterranean cruise, time in Rome and Athens. It's hard to do that when you've got ten youngins running around the house, but, you know, right? You understand what I'm saying? Opportunities for new experiences. See, the Bible teaches that the fall season of life and the winter season we're going to talk about next Sunday can be very productive, very produ- pr- uh, fruitful in your life, spiritually and otherwise. One, one more passage. Turn over to Psalm 92. Psalm 92. He compares a righteous man to a, to a tree. And, and, and how it can grow and produce for years. Notice, notice, what he, notice what he says in verse 12. Psalm 92, verse 12. He said, the righteous man, the righteous woman, the righteous person will flourish like the palm tree. He will grow like a cedar in Lebanon. See, the righteous never stand still. They're always making progress. Verse 13, the righteous, he's, that tree, he's like a tree planted in the house of the Lord. They, will, they the righteous, like these trees, they will, they will flourish in the courts of God and, and they will still yield fruit in old age. They shall be full of sap and very green. And the, the byproduct of that, verse, verse uh, 15, they declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. What he's saying is that the, the older years of life, the fall years and the golden years of life, the winter years, you can still be a productive follower of Jesus Christ if you approach it with the right attitude. See, the righteous keep growing. The righteous keep moving forward. And your faith in Christ becomes stronger. Your relationship with Jesus grows deeper. Listen to me. Life can change in a moment. Your children grow up and leave home. Well, your relationships are supposed to be God and each other. That's the priorities. But when they leave home, it's easier to handle it if God and each other were priority relationships while they were still home. But they're going to leave you. One day your spouse is going to die. If God had been the priority relationship of your life while your spouse was alive, you've got something when that hard time comes you won't have otherwise. See, the seasons of life, you never know when and what they're going to throw at us, okay? Change is a part of life. And, and so keeping the priority relationships in the right order through every season prepares you for each season and whatever happens in those seasons. But you get those out of order, and it's tougher. See, the goal, for those of you who are in the fall season of the empty the, the goal should be to, to build a heritage for your kids and grandkids that is even better than the one you've already built. To, to, to make the heritage that you're passing on to them even more righteous than it already is because our impact outlives us. 
Exodus 20, he gives the Ten Commandments. And the first two commandments are what? No other gods and no idols to those other gods. And then in, after, after that in verse 5, before giving commandment number 3, he says you should not worship or serve them, these other gods and these other idols. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children, third, fourth generations. In other words, you pass on who you are. Where God is in your life through these seasons of marriage, you pass it on to your kids and your grandkids. Now, they have to choose for themselves, but your influence outlives you. So what influence are you passing on? What heritage are you creating, especially as it comes to righteousness? You jump ahead centuries and the empire of Assyria had conquered and destroyed the northern kingdom of Israel carried some of the citizens away of slaves and moved people from other countries in there. And those people who came from other countries brought their religions and their idols with them. And over time, they all intermarried. And what he says in the book of 2 Kings 17, verse 41, so while these nations, these people from other nations feared the Lord, they also served their idols. In other words, the Jews who had been left behind and the foreigners who had brought in, they intermarried, created families, and they co-mingled those religions. They, we call it syncretism in theology and in philosophy, where you just merge them. And so, yeah, they fear God. In other words, the, the pagans, yeah, they they'd go, they'd go to church, so to speak, with the Jews and worship their God, and then they do that. And so it was a little bit of all of that. kind. Of, sounds like our culture, doesn't it? Just roll it all into one. They serve their idols. Their children likewise and their grandchildren as their fathers did, so they do it to this day. Do you get the biblical principle? The heritage you are creating religiously, spiritually, as well as relationally, you pass on. Once you're dead, that heritage is still alive. What heritage are you passing on to your kids and your grandkids? 